This is Fair Issues on the Mormon Faircast. This week's article is entitled, Keeping the Faith, Nephi Ship, by Michael R. Ash. Read by Ned Scarsbrick. This and other articles by Michael Ash can be found at DeseretNews.com. This article was used by permission of the author and the Deseret News. Nephi was instructed to build a ship to take his family to the new land. The ship was not to be built after the manner of men, but according to the Lord's instructions. There are a few clues in the text as to what the ship may have looked like, but this issue will discuss some possibilities. Estimates suggest that there were 40 to 70 Lehites by this time. While ancient societies were not as concerned with the luxury of space, the ship would have been large enough to accommodate the entire family, as well as their supplies. It's also surmised that two or more years would have been needed to build a vessel and gather supplies to carry this group the 17,000 miles eastward to the New World. As Warren Ashton notes, shipbuilding was nothing new to the people of this land. Centuries before Lehi's day, Oman was at the forefront of Arab sea exploration and trade, building ships that operated to Africa, India, and China. Some of these ancient vessels in other parts of Oman, and even early Egyptian vessels, were built of teak wood imported from India. Richard Wallington and George Potter wonder if Nephi also built his ship out of teak, which would explain why he wrote of working timbers of curious workmanship. 1 Nephi chapter 18, verse 1. Most other LDS scholars, however, believe that the Lehites built their ship from the trees that grew locally. Tall hardwood trees did, indeed, grow in Carfot. Ashton claims that such timber grows only in the Carfot area of Dufar, and this strengthens the possibility that this site might correlate with Nephi's bountiful. While Wellington and Potter argue that the Lehites would have built a deep-hulled, multi-deck vessel, also see Kelly DeVry's Journey of Faith, pages 81 and 82, Ashton suggests that curious workmanship and the fact that their ship was not after the manner of men indicates that the Lehite ship was different than the other ships in the vicinity. Unlike Arabian ships of the day, the Lehite vessel may have been a large raft. Building a large, ocean-going raft would still have been a significant project, writes Ashton, but one more closely matched the materials and labor resources at hand. Additionally, although equipped with sails and rudder like a conventional ship, a raft design offers greatly improved stability and safety at sea, while a broad keel of several layers of securely lashed logs, taking on water and sinking would have never been a real concern, and only an unusually powerful storm could have presented any danger. A raft also offers greater deck space, perhaps using multiple decks, for storage, for the growing of small gardens and for private quarters for each family, all significant factors that were exploited by other cultures that used rafts. Finally, the shallow draft of a raft would more easily allow stops and require less skill in maneuvering than would a regular ship. 
Ashton cites non-LDS archaeologist P.J. Capitoli, who, referring to the Contiki's 5,000-mile voyage, explains that rafts are floating warehouses and are therefore ideal for carrying the contents of a culture across the ocean. While they aren't very fast, and speed is a modern and not an ancient luxury, rafts are virtually indestructible. While a conventional boat can sink from a small hole in its hull, a balsa wood raft could lose two-thirds of its hull and still keep sailing with its crew and 20 tons of cargo. Rope would also have been an essential element for constructing a raft. As Dr. Gary Baird, a botanist, points out, a special palm in the Dufar region produced a unique rope that actually became tougher when exposed to water, unlike other ropes that degraded when they got wet. Journey of Faith, page 87. Ship sailing into the Indian Ocean can be carried different directions by wind and ocean currents depending on the time of year. If Nephi sailed during the monsoon season, they could have easily sailed straight eastward to India, Malaysia, Indonesia, and New Guinea. Before reaching the Pacific Ocean, they would have kept close to the shore and jumped from island to island for safety reasons, as well as for repairs and replenishing supplies. In the Pacific, however, ocean and wind currents would have been moving in a direction away from the New World, making it almost impossible for the Nephites to navigate the distance on a raft or a ship. Fortunately, however, the El Nino effect, which occurs every few years, changes current directions in the South Pacific and could have helped the Lehites reach the New World. The entire journey from Arabia to the New World might have taken up to two years, depending on the number and length of stops. If you like this podcast, you can help promote it by subscribing to it in iTunes or by rating it and writing a review. Post a link on your blog and Facebook page and tell your friends about us. Questions or comments about this episode can be sent to podcast at fairlds.org or join the conversation at fairblog.org. Michael Ash is the author of the book Shaken Faith Syndrome, strengthening one's testimony in the face of criticism and doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Both books are available for purchase online through the Fair Bookstore. Music for this episode was provided courtesy of Lawrence Green. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that a fair Mormon.